You're listening to Orange County's only station with critical business information, Critical Mass, with your host, Rick Franzi. Well, welcome to the program today. It's uh, it's not Rick, but uh, it's uh, it's Paul Roberts today. And I want to thank you for uh, joining us here this afternoon. If you haven't heard the program before, you'll know that uh, the whole purpose of the show is to learn from others, to learn from the experience of others. So um, we're going to uh, explore some conversations with some people today and see what their businesses are all about and see if we can uh, learn from their experiences here. This show is, of course, sponsored by Renaissance Executive Forums, which is in the business of peer-to-peer learning and they sponsor uh, and put on a variety of CEO peer groups across the country. So if you're interested in joining a group or finding out more about what it's like to brainstorm on a monthly basis with your your uh, uh, fellow business people, let's put it that way, people who are not necessarily competing with you but at the same size company that you are, then I urge you to go to uh, Google Renaissance Executive Forums. All right. Uh, today we have a uh, privilege to uh, uh, to talk about payroll and human resources and benefits. That seems to be one of these black hole subjects that not many people really want to go down very often. But we're uh, privileged to have an expert with us here today, uh, Jeff Green. Welcome, Jeff. Thank you, Paul. Appreciate you having me on the show. And give us the correct name of the company that you're involved with here. Now, our, the, the company name is Proxus, P-R-O-X-U-S. And if people want to find out, it's P-R-O-X-U-S-H-R.com. That's your website. You got it. Okay. All right. So now that we got the formalities out of the way, what does Proxus do? And then we're going to delve into some of these HR and payroll questions here. What is it that you supply to people? Sure. We work with uh, primarily small and mid-sized companies, Paul, organizations with uh, as little as, typically as little as 25 employees, up to 1,500 employees. And what we do is help those organizations to really manage the workforce, to be able to provide a technology platform that enables them to manage workplace data, and that happens through our payroll division. Uh, and then also, and, and more importantly, we're able to help organizations to acquire, manage, and develop a high-performing workforce. And we do that through our human resource division, through human resource consulting and outsourcing services. So both the people part of the workplace, putting in place effective processes to manage the workplace, and then having a technology platform to to be able to to manage and and provide decision-making support uh, to employee-related decisions is, is really at the core of what we do. Okay. Well, I want to dissect uh, both parts of that uh, business model here. I want to really get to understand it better and see if I can't uh, figure out why. I guess the the fundamental question is why do people come to you rather than do either of these functions in-house? Those used to be in the 60s, 70s, 80s. Those were in-house functions. Why are they they going outside? True, true. Absolutely. As you mentioned, that kind of from the 60s and 70s when they were called personnel departments. Yes. uh, And then up through the 80s and 90s and and, and beyond as, as it's evolved into human resources. One of the things that we see is that, uh, you know, take for example, uh, you you may say a 
150 employee company uh where there was someone who had had a vision had an idea they developed it uh into a business opportunity and now they've got five employees and you know they're up in 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 running uh but then they look up over time and that company has success and grows to 50 employees to 100 employees well what we typically find is that is that either the president or the chief financial officer or the controller is also the human resource director. Right. They're right. the person who's also responsible for addressing complex regulatory compliance issues that govern the workplace. Okay. They're also dealing with employee questions about uh, their medical plan or concerned about they lost their prescription plan. They're trying to mediate disputes between uh, managers and employees, and they're trying to get good information uh, about their workforce, uh, let's say with regards to pay issues, etc., to help them to effectively manage their labor costs. And so what you have is a leader within the organization who's spending more time focusing on non-core but critical parts of their business. And right. they're frustrated, right. they're up late, worried about, uh, am I going to do something that's going to get our company in, in trouble? And they're also frustrated because they're saying, I've got a group, I've got a team, whether it's 50 employees, 150 or 1,000 employees of good people, but we're just not performing the way that we should because there aren't good processes and systems in place. Uh, there isn't expertise brought to bear that can help me to develop my managers, to help put in place structure to measure performance and reward performance within the context of our organization. Those are the types of reasons why at some point in time uh, organizations turn to us. Okay. Well, I want to take those two uh, pieces and, and look at them both here, and I want to put off the um, um, HR part of it for a little later in the show here, but I really want to stick to this payroll question because one of the things that surprises me is how complicated both of these processes have become through the years. My 88-year-old aunt, who's still with us, was an HR person. Well, they didn't call him then. She was in the she was the personnel manager for uh, an right, insurance right. company office. And I'm sorry to say, she was probably the lowest paid employee in the company there. She was just a kind of a glorified secretary. You know, she was the person that had them fill out the applications, and she gave him some little minimum test, and she showed him how to do it. And, and as she said, you know, she really knew the process of the office. She really didn't just take care of getting everybody paid. In many cases, she trained her own managers. You know, they, these right, young guys right. would come in, and they're the new regional manager, and she'd show them how the whole thing works and what they do and the processes and all that kind of stuff. How did it evolve from that low-paid um, you know, very little thought and effort into it. Anybody can do it into this complicated process that we've come that requires this kind of time and expertise. How did it evolve through the years into that? Did it just get, did it just get bigger or did it get more complex because of technology issues or are there other regulatory issues that I suspect are behind this? The, the short answer is yes. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so all of those things, uh, kind of breaking each of them down quickly. Uh, I think the regulatory compliance environment has become much more complex over over time. Uh, you know, when you especially if you go back to the '60s through '70s through through the '80s, right? Uh, and you look at the various laws that have been acted uh, that necessitate that an employer capture 
certain pieces of information about employees that they didn't have to in the past. And even you look more recently, and heck, right. you even have to capture certain pieces of information about applicants. And so the regulatory compliance landscape uh, brought with it some level of complexity that in response there had to be the development of uh, new technologies in order to, to manage it. It wasn't and just so personnel now, anymore. It was human resources, and they began to see them as something exactly. to be developed. Yeah. Exactly. So from a technology standpoint, a lot of it was driven by regulatory compliance, and, and another portion of it was driven by the need to uh, develop better workflows that would enable people within that office space to work more more efficiently. Um, the other piece of it, you know, I, I would suggest has been related to the nature of our common co- economy and the drivers of our economy. I right. mean, an overused term is, you know, it's a, it's a knowledge workforce. But when you look at the evolution of, of industries, even a lot of manufacturing uh, that is less people intensive uh, has has created the need to be more competitive in finding the right people. You know, right, uh, right. you could look to years ago, and if you had a, a relatively competent, able-bodied person that could operate this machine, well, now we've got machines that have complex technologies in them, and we need the right type of people uh, to be able to make them go. We've had more of a service-driven economy. This isn't so the post-World War economy people. where they just put people on exactly. a line and said, here, do this. Exactly. Exactly. So whereas before, hey, I make the decision on who to hire, uh, I, I, I send them to that, to, to that admin persis, person in the office, and they're going to take care of processing your paperwork, making sure you get your benefits, right. uh, you know, tell you the ins and outs of what you need to do, and off you go. But suddenly, you know, you're in an environment where there's a, where, where organizations are competing for talent and small and, or, and large organizations alike. And so the need to have expert resources with the ability to effectively uh, come up with plans and strategies for how to recruit the mm-hmm. right people into your organization, uh, people with the analytical skills to develop uh, employee benefits programs that will enable your organization to attract and retain the right people, but work in close partnership with the finance department because we've got to do it in a cost-effective way. Uh, the issues around employee engagement and in, in the culture of your organization, some of those soft skills that, that translate into uh, business realities became more important. And so suddenly you look up and now as human resources evolving, uh, you see that there are more complex needs, a greater level of competency, and a different skill set that's needed to help lead, lead the workforce side of the business. Are there companies that still want to operate like this is the 1960s? I love, I love watching the show Mad Men on AMC, and there's that, you know, that buxom blonde or whatever she is, redhead uh, uh, Joan, who and knows where all the bodies are buried, and she somehow keeps the whole company glued together, and she's kind of their right, HR right. person, and she's the one that goes and tells the secretary you're fired or or trains the new uh, associate and brings them all in. And up until recently, she was like the lowest-paid person in the office here. And, I mean, are there companies that still treat it that way, or is is that really a bygone notion and everybody's gotten more sophisticated? Actually, it amazes me, and, and those folks are still out there. It, 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 That's it, what I kind of suspected. That, you know, so when you find these companies or they find you, 
it sounds like you do more than take over simply the process. You don't just make sure the paychecks go out. It sounds like you do more than uh, here, it, here it's ADP payroll or something like that. You're doing more than just simply taking over the automation of the payroll. You, do you get involved in actually strategizing with these companies about their payroll benefits and all that kind of stuff? And do you help guide actually, them? Actually, we, we go ahead. We 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 certainly do. Uh, you know, one of my colleagues, Chris Kumo, heads up our payroll division. I remember him saying uh, a, a while back, you know, any you know, it's it's easy to have a machine that can do the math and can right. do the the gross to net and cut a check. That's the easy part. And what we focus on within our organization is not so much. Uh, that side of it because that's that's you know that's should be a given uh, right. within the work that we do so we don't really push uh, products and services what what we do is and I know it's an overused phrase but we we truly do take a consultative approach what's mm-hmm. going on in your business mm-hmm. what are some of the challenges that you're facing uh, particularly on the payroll side of the business what are some of the inefficiencies where are some of the the manual processes that you have in place that are time consuming and wasteful uh, what's 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 some of the information that's important for management to be able to make decisions and do you have the ability to to capture that information with within your payroll system within your HRS system and then turn that data into useful information that can help management make decisions and those are the conversations that we that we tend to have with with clients and with prospective clients so that we can understand what their needs are and then uh, and then share with them how our, our technology platform and our team are able to help facilitate the the solutions to the challenges that they're facing how about and competitive how we approach it how about competitive analysis i mean if 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 somebody came to you and said okay we're we're losing our managers or we're opening up a new division or we're getting into something else what should we pay people what's what's the landscape paying these days what what kind of benefits are they expecting how can we how can we afford these benefits and and are there other ways we can other creative ways we can come i mean do you ever sort of do that kind of analysis too uh, you know, we we do on on a regular basis. We have a a, a client in, a, in in southern New Jersey, uh, about a hundred employees uh, in, in in growing in the food processing business, and they were growing and expanding, and, and they were doing some analysis of of, of costs, and they had uh, key uh, production inputs that they were being shipping in from the West Coast. So, right. long story short, the leadership was looking at, well, you know what, it it may make more sense for us to build a facility closer to the west coast because long term you know what will will save on shipping costs um, will long term create right. be, a, be a benefit for us by producing out there so if you take that broad business situation the hr issues that came into play and they're an outsourced client of ours so we are the hr department and so some of the, the the issues that we began discussing and being involved in and, and brought value to the to the to the leadership team on were okay. Well, you know, where on the West Coast should we be? Well, yeah. what do the labor markets look like in exactly. in California? What do you have to pay somebody to uh, live in California as opposed to living I don't know in Iowa or someplace or New Jersey? Or exactly, whatever. exactly. What's the what's the labor market uh, look like in, in in various regions? And so so we were involved from a strategic standpoint in doing uh, some research and analysis, some labor market analysis, some compensation analysis. Hey, well, general manager out here on the east 
East Coast, we need to pay X dollars. Well, what's, you know, in, in the market we're looking to go into, uh, what do competitive wages look like? And yeah. that'll help us yeah. determine do we need to hire locally versus send one of our managers out there. Uh, so those types of things we do on a regular basis. And then, of course, uh, now that it's time to, uh, the facility's been built and we need to staff it up, well, now we're taking a leadership role in facilitating uh, job fairs and then executing a recruitment plan to effectively staff, you know, staff up the operations out there and maintain it. Right. So those are the, the types of things that we regularly get involved with uh, with our clients. And I think the greatest compliment to us is, uh, you know, a, a municipal uh, water authority client of ours. I'd met with the president and. Uh, he said, uh, yeah, you know, John was up for Employee of the Year, and John's one of our directors who leads that enga- engagement. Mm-hmm. And I laughed, and he said, no, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not joking. He was literally was up for Employee of the Year. And, and the point I make there is, is that we really assimilate into the organization and <laughs> we become part of the team. <laughs> uh, we bring an outside perspective and expertise, but we have to be able to be a part of the organization in order to af- affect change and have an impact. And that's one of the things that we're most proud of our ability to, to engage in long-term relationships with our clients well when we come back we've got to take a commercial break i want to talk about how do you get into these different cultures how do you how do you become a chameleon that blends into all these different organizations and what is that process like when you take on a new client i want to talk about some of those issues um, when we come back we're t- on uh, critical mass coast to coast and we're talking with jeff green we'll have more of that right after this Stuff to the right, more stuff to the left. Got enough stuff, but I can't take a step. So I smart stopped. It took a minute to think. I need a little better spot, not under the sea. With smart stop, I leave the stress at the door. Cause it's the smart old way to store. Smart stop bucks the system. Your first month's rent is just a buck. Your next three months are half off. Call 888-97-STORAGE and mention this station. Goodbye clutter, hello floors. Smart stop, the smarter way to store. Can we talk about your family business? You know, that thing you put your whole life's blood, sweat, and tears into? Well, what happens when you retire or try and pass that business on to your children? At Succession Strategies, we can help you find the answers. We'll guide you through the unsettling process of protecting your family legacy and successfully passing your business on to the next generation, safely and securely ensuring that it'll both survive and thrive for generations to come. So ask yourself just one question. Can I really afford to wait? Take the first step. Take our complimentary self-assessment at SuccessionStrategies.com or call us at 714-560-9022 to set up a free consultation at your convenience. That's Succession-Strategies.com. Okay, we're talking with Jeff Green from uh, Proxis Human Resources. Do we say human resources or human relations? What's the HR stand for? Uh, Human resources. Human resources. Okay. Do do people call it human relations anymore, or is it all just human resources? We're viewing them as, as assets of the company here. 
I think it's probably more uh, than typically that. it's 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 human resources. Uh, a phrase that became popular for a period of time was human capital. Yes, uh, and that's kind of that perspective of looking at the people assets within your organization. Right. Okay. So you come, do you do this all over the country, or is it primarily on the east? You're, you're based in what uh, New Jersey or Philadelphia area? Yeah, we're based just outside of Philadelphia. Our, our primary footprint is the Mid-Atlantic region in that uh, D.C. up through New York corridor. Right. However, what we find, and you know, this is you know common in this day and age, uh, organizations that we may work with that are based along the the, the Mid-Atlantic region uh, have operations across the country. So we're running uh, payrolls in probably forty-five states. And from an HR perspective, we have clients with operations all over the U.S., so we need to be well-versed in, uh, you know, regulatory uh, issues uh, in all 50 states. So it sounds, again, that you try and really get inside the mindset of these companies here and understand their culture, their organization, what they're all about, different industries, different types and sizes of businesses here, um, maybe even different structures or, or some of them, small partnerships and some of them are huge publicly traded companies i mean do you run that gamut or do you kind of focus on one target of the market here is there a typical you know, it, client? it actually does yeah it actually does run the gamut i would say uh what's more common for us is an organization that is privately held uh we do have some not many publicly uh held companies um but in terms of size, uh, yeah, it, it, it runs the gamut. Our, our largest client is uh, probably upwards of 4,000 employees, and uh, you know, our smallest client, we probably have a couple of folks on payroll that there are, you know, uh, you know, five employee companies. Right. Although that's right. that's not our, our core business, so runs the gamut. So how do you um, how do you get in and understand these different businesses? Because it sounds like you're trying to do more than just simply take over a process. If you're just processing checks, a company is a company. Whether it's five checks or 5,000, it's probably pretty similar. But, you, but you're saying that you really right. want to be consultative. Uh, you want to be a consultant and help them uh, understand their payroll needs and their processes, understand what it, they should be paying their people competitively, understand all of this kind of stuff. Uh, the the regulatory issues that are involved and those change as you go up. A publicly traded company has much different reporting requirements than a mom and pop shop does, uh, and probably has, especially as we get into the new health care laws and all those kinds of issues, some dramatic differences if you've got a certain number of employees or if you've got a certain sure, hundreds sure. or bigger. How do you come in and, and understand these companies? How do you do? You spend time with them? Do you just uh, assign somebody do you just immerse yourself in what they're doing do you research their business i don't know what do you do to 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 understand them sure it's a combination of things paul but what it starts with first and foremost uh is our team is 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 our people uh you know this is our 15th year in business and we've we've certainly uh you know been 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 blessed to have continued to grow over the years but we've we've certainly made some mistakes along the way and one thing that we've learned is that uh, you know a great hr practitioner as an example is not necessarily a great HR practitioner in this environment. So by that I mean uh, the right person in our organization, you need to be someone who gets excited about working with, let's say, six different organizations of various sizes across different industries and having each of them think and feel as though 
they're the most important thing to you. And, and the reason you're able to do that is because uh, you immerse yourself, as, as you had mentioned, in their culture. You're someone who thrives on just learning about different types of companies, types of industries, being the type of individual that's flexible and adaptable to be true to yourself or, or, or be genuine in how you approach and interact with people, but being adaptable to make it suit the environment that you're in. So whether it's the 350 employee privately held, held uh, real estate development company with a very dynamic president uh, who's plays things loose and fast, you need to be comfortable in that environment. But then when we've got the 500 employee manufacturing company whose CEO is uh, an electrical engineer by training right. and they're very methodical and process driven well the way that you may guide and advise that organization on specific workforce issues is going to be different sure. than that fast and loose real estate development corporation and you need to be consistent in the in the quality and the type of advice and guidance you provide or the process you put in place but it's going to look different in those two organizations Dramatically, and and, yeah. and you've got to be able to recognize that and, and and understand why that's so important and and that becomes and that becomes key so get walk us through some of this. Give us some of the secret sauce here. You don't have to give it all away here today, but you know, how do you find and recruit your own people to fit that mold and how do you motivate them? And I'll give you an interesting example. I've I've used this example so many years. Years and years ago I had a marketing company and uh I had a client that sent me to a trade show here in Orange County. As before I lived in Orange County. And I went to the trade show two years in a row. And one year I stayed at the Hilton. And one year I stayed at the Sheraton. I'm sorry, the uh, Marriott, uh, the Hilton and the Marriott. Right. And it was like night and day difference. When I went to the Hilton, which was actually a bigger property, these are both big properties outside the convention center. Sure, sure. And they're both used to dealing with conventions and, and everything. The Hilton was a disaster. The key didn't work. The reservation was screwed up. Everything was wrong from the get-go. And nothing just seemed to work that weekend. When I went to the Marriott, not only was it a much smoother experience, but the I got there late at night, and I wanted to go down and to use the hot tub. I was just so exhausted. I'd been working all day, and I thought, I'm just going to go down and relax. And, of course, there's nobody around. It's 11 o'clock at night. So I thought, I'm not going to find a towel. This is going to be awful. I'm going to have to run up, dripping up to my room, put my bathing suit on, run down, and run back up. And as I'm sitting down there, this is like 1130 at night, I see some minimum wage employee picking up towels around the place and he saw me i'm the only one there and he could have easily just i'm sure he's at the end of his shift he could have easily just ignored me and picked up the towels and gone on his way but he looked and he looked for a second and then he walked over and he said do you need a towel and i thought yeah and he went and found me one at 11 30 at night now nobody but he and i were there how and i've never understood that the marriott was famous for that kind of thing how they motivate their people to care so how do you find people who care about all these different things, not only who can work in these things, but who take that extra effort to to immerse themselves, to to become employee of the month, to, you know, to to care that much about somebody else's business when it's not really theirs? Right. You know what I'm right. saying? And, and that's 
No, it's a, it's a, it's a good, good question. Uh, great question, actually. No, no easy answer, and I'd, I'd have to be honest with you in saying I, I'm, I'm still trying to figure that out myself. Yeah, right. <laughs> but, but I, I, I would share some of the things that, that, that we're doing, uh, that we do have some success with, uh, with regards to that. And, and one is, uh, from a recruitment standpoint, there are certain traits that we look for in, in individuals, uh, and some of the most important ones go outside of the technical expertise. In other words, right. I have to assume within reason, and, and we have folks on our team who are involved in different parts of the recruitment process. So for, you know, for, for me as, as, as president, I'm not going to spend time trying to figure out whether you've got the technical expertise and knowledge to manage recruitment or employee relations or labor relations yeah, or right. performance management, all those things. I'm going to assume you have those things. Right. Uh, but I'm going to look at, at the types of traits uh, that are critical for for our type of uh, environment. Uh, we're a dynamic organization. We're growing. We're entrepreneurial. Uh, so some of the things that are important for us are you have to be able to go from zero, zero miles per hour up to up to up to sixty miles per hour, down to thirty, then back up to eighty yeah, right. per hour. Just it, throughout the course of the day. And so one of the things that, that we look at is individuals who will thrive in that environment. And, and through the interaction and the questions we ask them, we try to get a sense as to is this an individual who gets excited in that environment or that, that type of environment uh, creates anxiety. Uh, because if it creates anxiety, then you can be a great HR practitioner, uh, a great payroll professional, but this Ain't the place for you. Yeah, and uh, you we've know had. What I mean? So we try to look at, at, at folks who are, are comfortable and confident, uh, and will thrive in a very in a fast paced, uh, a changing environment because our clients don't give us the benefit of ramp up time as though they're yes, hiring someone exactly, internally. Exactly. Uh, I need you to come in and make good decisions without having all the information that you need to make good decisions. Yeah, we're not going to give you six months to to learn this, uh, to to get up to speed and learn the people and the processes and the company and the way they do business and the way this industry typically works compared to some other industries. Exactly. And and that's surprising Exactly. because we we do have another show on the network here called uh, The Coaching Perspective, and they do talk to HR Hmm. professionals. Uh, I'll pass your information on to them. They might be interested in pursuing this and having you on another show here, but... Um, what they, when I listen to the show as a producer, I don't find most of the HR people they're talking to to be dynamic go-getters. They are more methodical, process-driven people. Right. They, they make sure everything's crossed and dotted and that it's all in compliance and they have very, they're very good at managing those complex regulations and processes and, and processing people in and processing people out and, so they don't seem to be the kind of dynamic go-getters that you're talking about. <laughs> I just maybe right. that's my own bias here, but I just don't picture HR people having that kind of uh, skill set. So I'm I'm curious. You know, how- I, I would have to say I would have to apologize. I mean to cut you off. Yeah, uh, I, I would say to that it's 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 not 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 a bias. It, it is in in many instances uh, a, a reality, <laughs> and, and it's something it. that. H- yeah, HR folks have uh, fought for that proverbial seat at the table yeah. uh, for years, um, and, 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 and the reality is uh, that a lot of it, there are a lot of HR professionals who, who function 
just the way that you said. And so that stereotype grows, and leadership begins to look to other means to get the support and the guidance that they need. What we look for in an individual who has, like I mentioned, strong technical expertise, but the ability to see, look at an organization from a global perspective and see the business and, and really not not think that HR, that what they do is is the product or, or is the end, but how can we use the expertise that we have with regards to managing the workforce to move the objectives of the organization forward, to help leadership fulfill the vision that they've shared for where the organization is going. And and it's 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 a challenge finding individuals who view the world that way uh, and have the HR expertise. But but they are there because because I, I've got I've got a team of of, of great ones and, uh, and 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 we're searching for more. Somehow you found it. Well, and that must be refreshing when uh, you present this to the client. And they say, yeah, 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 okay, I hear that all the time. You're you're going to be exciting and dynamic and proactive, and, you know, I hope so, because that's why I'm bringing you in. And then you deliver on that promise. Wow, it's like, hey, this is this is HR on steroids here. This is this is something I haven't seen before. Right, and, and, and that's where we're ha- able to have a tremendous impact. I mean, I always talk with, with our team about, um, you know, our role in, 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 in serving, you know, organizations, and, you know, there are some some uh, you know of our clients that we deal with who get into some uh, some. We walk into some pretty interesting, I'll put it that way, <laughs> environments from time to time. And, and loose and days, free and you know, easy, our, and yeah, they got people yeah, running around. They don't even exactly. know who's on the payroll here. Yeah. <laughs> yes, yes. I, I would say we we could have scripted uh, more than a few episodes of the show. The office, uh, believe me. Um, and when our team talks offline, we laugh about those those things. But I always bring them back to the simple truth that I said there are some extremely bright people who had some great ideas and built you know these organizations. So they they know what they're doing in that regard. And you got to realize that the gift we have is our expertise with managing the workforce side of it. Right. Uh, right. They don't have that gift. They need it. And, and, and that's what our role is, is to provide that to them to help them advance their organization. And, and I think we bring that perspective to each engagement, and it's genuine, and to our clients it's tangible, and it plays out in how we relate with leadership, how we relate to managers, how we relate to employees, and it's enabled us to secure long-lasting relationships with our clients, who, by the way, go out and talk about us to others, and, and it generates new, more opportunities for us. And I think sure, that, that that authenticity uh, that we bring is 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 what connects us uh, with our clients in a special way. All right. Well, if you can stick around, we this is getting interesting here. Uh, I think we're starting to delve into some really you know fascinating topics here. And if you've got the time, we'd love to uh, chat with you a few more minutes here. But we got to take a commercial break, and we'll come back right after this. You're listening to Critical Mass Coast to Coast with uh, Jeff Green from Proxis Human Resources coming up right after this. My company made the switch to Commerce National Bank about six months ago. Our relationship officer was there every step of the way to make the transition as seamless as possible. We had an early hiccup with a deposit scanner, but they dropped everything and drove right to our offices to help. We couldn't feel better about our decision to switch. Instead of calling an 800 number and navigating through automated menus, now I call my Commerce National Bank Relationship Officer directly for any questions we have. Just knowing that they're so easily accessible and willing to help really puts me at ease. 
They offer the same technology as the big banks, but deliver it with superior service and training. They're also rated a full five stars by Bauer Financial. So if your organization is a small or medium-sized business in Orange County, you should make the switch too. Call Mary Miller, Senior Vice President, at 949-870-3863 or visit them online at www.commercenatbank.com. That's commercenatbank.com. Give Commerce National a chance to do better than your bank, and they'll handle the rest. Smart Business Network is a business-to-business multimedia company providing insight, advice, and strategy for C-level executives of fast growth, middle market, and large companies. As one of the nation's largest publishers of local management journals, under the Smart Business name, Smart Business Network publishes 19 regional print editions, presents dozens of large and small-scale business conferences and award programs, and produces a vibrant interactive digital media presence. For more information, visit us at www.sbnonline.com. Okay, we're back with uh, Jeff Green from Proxis Human Resources, and we're talking about the changing world of HR and how more complex it's gotten and how they try and do more than just take that burden off your hands but really try and become consultants for you and, and help uh, help find the hidden the hidden secrets to a more successful workforce is that would that be a correct way to put it here i believe that would be accurate yes okay yes. all right um <laughs> let's talk we got about 10 minutes left and what okay. i want to get into i know i've been focusing on payroll and process and some of these other things here now let's get into the issues of hr hr to me is become a very very interesting fascinating um, minefield for most businesses to navigate. Uh, in California, there's all sorts of regulations about hiring and firing people in particular. And people live in fear of ending up before the Labor Relations Board. Uh, there are all sorts of, we had an attorney on who was talking about uh, how many companies don't uh, follow the law and make sure that you get your five-minute break after a certain time and your 15-minute break, and they just say, oh, keep working, or the employee says, I'll just keep working, and then all of a sudden they get disgruntled and come back and do a lawsuit for all of those lost five, 15 minutes, and companies are paying millions of dollars in fines and fees and everything. Talk about some of those issues here. I mean, it seems like HR, having a workforce has become more, more of a headache than it's ever been here. <laughs> you know, it's uh, it's it's uh, we, one of the things that we find is that you know whether it's a, a 50 employee company or a 5,000 employee company, when you get folks together in in, in an environment for you know eight eight to ten hours hours a day, right. uh, stuff just happens. <laughs> uh, you know, and it's not necessarily dissimilar to to what may happen in many family uh, family dynamics. Dysfunction, as, as well. Right. <laughs> dis dysfunction. We deal with it every day, and and I think one of the things that's important for any organization of any size is to set a standard, and 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 that's where a lot of companies, big and small, get themselves in trouble because it, inconsistency. Uh, just just breeds breeds problems. Right. Uh, Why did Joe a, get to go home and I can't? Why does uh, Sally get exactly. paid more than I do? Yeah. 
Exactly. And more often than not, uh, there was not uh, ill intent, uh, but the outcome uh you know is 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 a bad one for for employers so i always talk to organizations about you know setting a specific standards for your organization communicating those standards documenting those standards and then holding the team accountable to them uh and and one of the breakdowns in, in a company is when that does not happen uh and so you may have a department of 20 people uh you could have 20 different opinions of what doing the right thing means or yeah. what the priority for the day should be. Uh, and when that gets out of line and a manager is concerned with, you know, the employee believes he's, he or she is working hard and that their performance is up to par, but the manager is frustrated, but they haven't been effectively trained and it's difficult for them to give the, that employee feedback and it's easier to just score them off as, you know, meets expectations on their performance reviews, but then things get really bad and that manager says, look, I just can't take it anymore and this person's hurting us their performance is poor we need to let them go uh, and then that's when it's tough because the conversation is well I can appreciate that but because you didn't share with that employee what your expectations were and when the employee didn't meet expectations you didn't communicate to them that it's a problem and because you wanted to avoid conflict you didn't spend the time in performance reviews to share with them where they had deficiencies so you could could let them go, but here's what the risks uh, are associated with doing that. Yeah, right. And more importantly, you have someone on the team who you really haven't fulfilled your obligation to see if they can be effective co- member of the team or not. Uh, so the breakdown, I guess, in, in that example, sometimes is at the organizational level in terms of not setting a standard for here's what we expect and what you can expect in right. this work environment. Uh, sometimes and oftentimes we see the breakdown at that supervisor supervisor-manager level, uh, sometimes because they weren't effectively trained, sometimes because it's the wrong person in the wrong role, but they're not able to uh, help to coach and develop and guide uh, the, the employees that are, that are in their areas of responsibility, and that creates problems as well. I've heard so many supervisors and managers say, you know, in today's world, and of course maybe this is more in California and elsewhere, it's just easier than just to go along than to really discipline or try and work with problem employees. And so if they make enough of a stink or if they're difficult enough to deal with, you do just sort of pass them along and carry them on and right. work around them and you know hope that they'll quit someday and uh, rather than really try and get to the core issue, which maybe is that they shouldn't be there or maybe they really don't feel wanted or understand what they should be doing or, or or really even know how to do what they're doing. But whatever it is, it's easier just to ignore the problem than to deal with it. Yeah, exactly. Or so, so they, or so they think. Right. Um, but I, I think what, what you, what you just uh, shared is, is, is something that we see across organizations all of the time. And, um, you know, when you take the long-term view and look at the negative impact that it has on the organization, oh, yeah, uh, morale it, and people don't want to be there, and they good people quit because it's a miserable environment exactly. to work in, and yeah, exactly, yeah, good. The good, the good people will leave, and and the poor performers will be the ones who have taken the mindset. Well, you know, they've gotten passed along; they haven't been let go. I'll, I'll, I will outlast this manager and the next one yeah, and the next right, one. Right. And, uh, you know, morale erodes, productivity is impacted. Uh, and, and, and worse, and one of the worst things is that there's a disconnect 
that everyone can see. It's almost like the emperor has, you know, has, yeah. no, has no has no clothes because the organization. Everybody sees it, but the emperor. emperor. Yeah, everybody but the emperor exactly. sees he has no clothes. Yeah, exactly. Exactly, and not just that, but the emperor is espousing our, our organizational expert expertise, our leadership position in the industry, and all of these things. But right. you know, at the day to day operational level, you know, it's, it's it's a poor performing group or an underperforming group. A very good friend of mine is a uh, senior plant manager for a rather large company. I won't put him on the spot and name it, but it's a you know Fortune fifty company here. They make something some big product and he was at one of their competitors and uh he said you know here are two brand names if i mentioned both companies you'd instantly know both brands and he said one is so dysfunctional he said i couldn't couldn't last there and i couldn't wait to get out of it and the other one he's been at for Mm. 10 years now or something but uh, he said it's amazing to me how two major companies both well known in the industry well positioned can have such totally, totally different ways of doing things. One, he said, was just constantly in upheaval and in chaos and crisis, and everybody's mad at each other, and everybody feels under the gun, and the other place he found a pleasure to work for. So I don't know what makes that happen, but uh, it's obviously everybody's nodding their head out there and saying, oh, yeah, I've seen companies like that. And why they can't see that or why they don't know that they're not wearing any clothes, that they're walking around thinking this is great, and I guess because they've never worked at other companies, you know, they, they think theirs is the best. But I would suspect it takes somebody like that. How do you tell them? How do you walk into the office and say, guys, you know, you're all naked here. Uh, this, you're, you're not wearing the new suits you think you are. You're not, you're not really as slick as you think you are. That's got to be right, a hard conversation right, right. to have. Yeah, well, I, I, would t- I, I will tell you that uh, it's, it's easier for me to hold that conversation uh, now than it was when I was in, in in-house HR executive reporting to the CEO <laughs> right, you know, of, of, of various or- organizations. Right. Um, but, 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 but regardless, and, and particularly, uh, per- particularly for, for HR executives, I would say that that there's a certain amount of diplomacy that needs to take place, um, but at the at the same time, uh, a certain amount of directness. In other words, you know, HR needs to be the place that has the pulse of the organization, and in some regards, is the conscience of the organization. And I would also suggest that the HR leader should be an invaluable resource. Uh, to the CEO of the organization and be able to have developed rapport and relationship that allows them, as appropriate, to be able to share things with that leader that others can't. Um, because often, like you know, often um, you know, within many organizational cultures, uh, there's a fear of telling the CEO. Nobody wants uh, to talk truth to power. Yeah, nobody wants to tell them the truth. Yeah. Exactly. And I'm exactly. not sure they do. I. I I hear lots of examples where I did try and tell the truth, and all I did is get in trouble here. You know, uh, again, it's yeah, and, easier to cover yeah, up. And, right? And, and, and right, and, and what I would suggest is is that in that environment, you should be thankful because what it lets you know is you're in the wrong place. <laughs> so uh, it's a good thing, <laughs> you know. Yeah, and 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 I, and I don't, I, I, I frankly, I don't say that at all flippantly, um, you know, but but. And again, particularly when I when I look at the responsibility of those in leadership, and of course, you know, specific to HR, we've got a responsibility to the organization, and and there are certain things that that someone needs to to bring to light, to share, and and 
you know the 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 key in 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 having longevity and success in the role is is knowing how to do it knowing how to push the right buttons and, and understanding the leadership team and how to how to to influence other individuals these are all things that that HR leaders need to be able to do but but at the end of the day you've got to be willing to get you you got to be willing to have the difficult conversations yeah, right. and if cuz if you're not having role, a- but I'm in a if you're not having them, who is? If no, if you're not saying exactly. Look, that the Joe that this place is ugly or people don't like working here, or we're going to lose some people, or people are stealing from us, or they're slacking off, or whatever the horrible cancer is. If you don't point it out, how's it ever going to get cut out of the organization? Exactly. Exactly, and and when it's and when it's pointed out, and, and we've had some, you know, some some leaders that we've worked with and client organizations that are great. They welcome they welcome that. Uh, others that say, hey, tell me if it's me, and then when you tell them it's them, they say, oh, you know, it can't be me. So <laughs> right, yeah, right. The problem. Um, <laughs> and, and others who are, are who uh, sometimes initially are not open to that feedback. And and part of the finesse is being able to share with I'm not is being able to frame things in such a way. Where I'm not, the, I'm not trying to tell you what to do, but let me just share with you what what some of the ramifications of the direction that you're going in will be. And yeah. let me share with you a couple of examples rooted in 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 our experience in working with organizations like yours and with leaders like yours and industries like yours, and having the breadth of expertise that we have enables us to say those sorts of things to kind of paint a picture for them about. What's going to happen as you continue to pursue the course that you're that you're taking, and and then you reach a point where you you, you have to realize that I can go but so far in in sharing that with you, and ultimately, Mister or Mrs. Leader, uh, you've now got a decision to make. But I, I I have to have the integrity to know that I've taken the steps that I've needed to support your success and more importantly uh support the success of the organization and that's why i'm saying the things that i'm saying so and, let me ask you the you hard know, more often than not let me ask sure. you the hard okay. question here have you ever and this will kind of be my wrap-up question have you ever had to fire um a client have you ever had to say i quit because they weren't willing to listen and the environment was so toxic that you were in danger of losing your own good person who just didn't want it. Nobody wanted to be assigned to that company. I don't want to work there. Nobody wants to work there. Absolutely. A- absolutely. And uh, I probably shouldn't say this, but I, I, I would say that it is a, uh, it is a fulfill. It's been, it has not happened a lot, but it is a fulfilling feeling, uh, when it has, <laughs> when it has happened. Uh, and, and a couple of things drive that, you know, in, 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 you know, in, in being in this, this business and our companies, uh, you know, going in, in our, in our, uh, 15th year. Right. Uh, we're thankful for that. Um, but I would say that earlier on, and, and my then partner, uh, Greg Gast and I, we used to, like, in, in the early years, we'd come out of a meeting with a prospective client or with a client and we'd say, well, we've committed to doing that. Let's, we got to figure out a way to do it. Uh, because you're trying to grow revenue. You're sure, trying nobody to Nobody wants your to turn down you're money in business. Yeah. Right. right. Right, but we also learned that, you know what, there are a set of values and standards that we have for how we conduct ourselves professionally. And we, we learned that when, when a client relate, in our relationship with a client, when that line has been crossed, of course, we're gonna, we're gonna bring it to light and, and have a, and have what we hope will be a healthy dialogue with the client around that. But right. if they're not willing to interact with us and with our team in a, respectful professional manner uh they're going to scream and shout at you and curse and tell you right (laughs) Right. so 
Right. So those things, if if you are going to willfully, you know, do things that just cross ethical boundaries or legal boundaries, well, we're not going to continue to engage with that type of organization. And, you know, you learn that all revenue is just not good revenue. Yeah. And, you know, frankly, I, I just just recently I was talking with uh, with one of the folks on, on, on our team about a, a potential client relationship uh, that there was a tr- tremendous opportunity to expand it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and, and we had decided that we're not even going to pursue those options <laughs> to expand it. You know what it's uh, like because, in there, yeah. You know, <laughs> because we, yeah, we know, we know what's going to happen down the road. So let's limit it to where we can manage this relationship, where we can have a positive impact on this organization, but we're not going to expand it in such a way that we know is going to uh, create create problems based on... You You're know, not going to uh, get sucked in, in into their balance. problems here and, right. and, and end exactly. up losing good people because they don't want to work right. with them. Well, I, I think right. that's the hardest lesson of all to learn, and it only comes with it time. Is. In the beginning, you think, I can be Superman, I can handle anything, and uh, the harder the the client, the harder we'll work at fixing it here. But at some point, you have to realize that you're just you, you, it's self destructive. You you're you're losing your own soul. You're losing your own uh, culture, and you're losing good people who just won't put up with it. Right. That, so. Right, and that's something, and those are things we've learned we will not do. (laughs) Well, good. Well, I wish we could talk more about it because HR is filled with all sorts of issues. Maybe we can have you back around this other show where we can delve into more specific things. We didn't even get into some of the hot buttons these days about uh, social media policies or Mm. theft and um, computer theft and all these kinds of things that are going. I mean, it just seemed in security issues. I'm sure you get involved in some of that stuff, too, and everything, your passwords and things, and how do you protect? What do you do when people leave? And, you know, lots of complex stuff out there today that uh, seem to be popping up over and over again. And as I say, from my own experience, it seems like these are areas, it's a black hole that it's it's a rabbit hole that no, most people don't want to look down, much rather go down. They, they don't want to deal with right. it, so they just sort right. of cover it up and the cancer grows. How do people, yes. if they want to cut the cancer, if they want to find the cancer in the organization, they want to fix it, and they want to uh, turn their company into a healthy, happy place to work here. How do they reach you? No, oh, they could reach you. They could reach me a couple of ways. Uh, easiest is uh, by phone two one five six five four nine one four zero extension one zero two. That's my direct line. Uh, you could reach us via email at uh, J Green. That's green like the color. Okay. At P R O X is an X ray. U S is in Sam H R dot com. And of course, we're at ProxisHR.com on the web. We, as I said, we're uh, based here in the Mid-Atlantic region, but we do have uh, clients with operations all across the country. Uh, so would be more than happy and would welcome the opportunity to uh, have a conversation with uh, with anyone who feels it uh, may be of some value. Okay. And I assume that you're uh, willing to engage with them at least once and, and talk to them without them instantly charging them for your time or effort, that you'll have at least a, one consultation with them to see if it's a good fit? Oh, absolutely. I, I you know joke with 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 new clients all the time and say we're we're not a law firm. We're we're, we're not we're not clock watchers. Uh, <laughs> we don't believe that that's how you do, uh, develop relationships. And uh, you know we've been been blessed to have great clients who who get it in terms of we'll have a conversation if we can help. We'll be glad to help. And if it reaches the point where it gets a little bit more extensive and we need to talk more more in a more structured way about you know how we need to handle that situation or what fees may be involved, then we can have that conversation. But right. first, let's let's have 
have a conversation, and if we can help you, we're glad to help. Well, that's what we're all about here on this radio station and this show in particular, having conversations because we think that through those conversations, we discover opportunities, we discover um, maybe some answers or ideas that hadn't occurred to us, and if nothing else, we put it out there and and see what uh, kind of response we get back from the market and and that guide our business accordingly. So thank you so much for uh, spending the extra time with us here today. Uh, we had the opening. Uh, we had a, usually have two guests on the show, but the second one uh, had an emergency and couldn't make it, so we were going to um, repeat a segment. I thought, well, rather than just repeat something, let's let's take the time and, and investigate this because you certainly are in an area that there is no end to growth. HR ain't going away. It ain't going to get easier. <laughs> True enough. Okay. All right. Thanks for uh, joining us today. You've been listening to Critical Mass for Business, uh, coast to coast, uh, here on uh, octalkradio.net. You're listening Thank to you, Wolf's County's you. only station with critical business information, Critical Mass, with your host, Rick Franzi.